welcome to CFO Insights, the leading podcast for finance professionals in disruptive tech, brought to you by the Startup CFO community. I'm Guy Hutchinson, and I'm the host of the podcast, as well as being a tech CFO. In this episode, we're going to talk to Jeff Taman of Shipium. Prior to joining Shipium to lead on finance and operations, Jeff was 12 years at Amazon in senior finance roles. As we speak to Jeff, we'll explore what all startups and scale-ups can learn from Amazon. With Jeff's career journey, we even dip into life on Alaskan fishing boats and understand what startup execs can learn from intense careers in the northern wilds. Jeff, welcome onto the Startup CFO podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, and good day. Welcome to our, uh, it's uh, great to be a part of the uh, Startup CFO group and uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk today. Great. It's fantastic, Jeff. Um, look, so when you did join Jeff, uh, my first thoughts were uh, Jeff's got an interesting background and wouldn't it be fantastic to have Jeff on the podcast? So it would be really interesting just to sort of talk about the kind of things you've done in your career uh, and really kind of focus on kind of what that means in your new financial role at Shipium. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, it's, it's interesting. The The journey is one that started as a commercial fisherman. So I, I grew up um, even through college working on the, the back deck of fishing boats in Alaska. And I thought that was going to be my career. I loved it. I loved the exhilaration, uh, just the, the energy, the exhaustion that came from long days working in harsh environments. Um, but uh, the inner nerd in me came out when I took uh, accounting courses uh, in college, which led into a career in public accounting at Deloitte and um, a love for this thing called finance uh, and the problems that we get to solve. Uh, and that ultimately led to 12 and a half years at, at Amazon, being able to solve financial accounting and actually tech technology and operational problems in our warehouses. Um, and being able to see how finance is not a reporting function, it is not a back-end function, but when we take the opportunity to see how the numbers are created and how they are reported and the entire chain of custody, there's so many uh, physical and technology touch points that we have the opportunity to impact. And so to this day, I continue to geek out and love this space and find that uh, there's never a shortage of opportunities to solve and improve and it goes so so much further than the numbers yeah it's really interesting jeff because actually one of the themes we find in our group when we get you know groups of cfos to like events and we have q a is that a big big part of these senior finance roles people imagine it's about being high highly numeric or you know really good at you know processes and things like this but actually a really big part of it is solving problems and uh i think a lot of people wouldn't imagine that these more senior finance roles are really all about that 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 type of thing. Yeah, uh, I think so. In, in 2015, actually, Amazon added uh, one of their leadership principles. It was the 14th at that time, and it was called "Learn and Be Curious." And it was it was really a codification of the culture, and that uh, the the actual leadership principle says that leaders are never done learning and always seek to improve themselves. Mm. They are curious about new possibilities and act to explore. And I find that in the finance field, you have to learn, you have to be curious, right? You, you are always looking around corners, uh, working to improve not just your own processes, but, but those that are around you. And the moment you, you choose to stop learning or to stop being curious, 
um, you, you've, you've lost the initiative. And so when I see the best finance people, the best accounting people, they have that drive, that curiosity that's just insatiable because um, it, it's not about personal achievement. It's about trying to make those around them uh, and the business around them better. And that passion is just irreplaceable. Jeff, whilst I've heard of much smaller startup enterprises doing really similar things, I have to say it's amazing Amazon at the scale it's got was really pushing for something that was so forward thinking and so selfless. Yeah, the leadership principles uh, and, and, you know, I was fortunate there for, for 12 and a half years and um, really worked with a lot of wonderful people. And as part of that, they, they become part of your DNA. Um, it's sometimes we joke at the, the Amazon nanobots. And I will say that, that uh, the downside of that is my kids who two kids who are, are teenagers. Sometimes um, they don't like the leadership principles that much as they become part of that uh, person inside and outside of work. Uh, the ownership, the are right a lot, uh, the have backbone, disagree and commit. But uh, Amazon's done a wonderful job of uh, really grounding those leadership principles, not just into the people, but in the work ethic. And they create a common playing field for all employees to focus on our customers or to focus on the customers. Sometimes I still say are um, focus on the customers of Amazon uh, as the first principle of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, uh, it's really smart. And and I would think in the twelve years that 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 you were there, there must have been quite a substantial change. I mean, you know, Amazon clearly has massive scale um, and has grown sort of really just insanely steeply over that time. But were there were there changes in how the finance function was organised over that time? Absolutely. Um, and, and to give a little context into that, so over my 12 years, I'd say that uh, there's really um, kind of three different stints of time. So my first four, four and a half years, uh, I led our uh, revenue, global revenue for our retail business and then inventory management uh, from an accounting side. Um, and that, that included closing the books uh, and ensuring everything was reconciled. But actually, most of my time was spent working with our the actual retail finance teams, or within RFCs. I had a chance over my my twelve years to to work within sixteen different fulfillment centers to go solve problems that then created uh, financial impact. Um, and then the the next four years were in our retail finance group, but with a product bent. Uh, so leading finance teams over contribution profit and uh, supporting pricing. Uh, in our retail systems, but then also retail businesses like Subscribe and Save, uh, Alexa Shopping, um, and and various retail initiatives, followed up by the last four years actually leading engineering and product and analytics teams in financial systems and, and anti-money uh, laundering financial crimes groups. So the arc was interesting because I always stayed grounded in the numbers, in finance, in ways that we we operated the business financially, even though it was a very different lens. Uh, and I'd say that that like many others, I was very fortunate. the The financial leadership that we had of our our CFOs, uh, Tom Skutak and Brian Olsowski during those times, created that centering uh, course, and they kept those those leadership principles true and kept the accountability true across the team. So even as we grew. When I started in in the revenue accounting group, it was myself and and one other analyst uh, based in in Seattle. Um, t- 
tackling retail revenue for multiple countries of all of Amazon. And it was, it seemed to be an impossible task, but we actually, it, it allowed us to be scrappy and inventive in a way that we had to, to, to get the job done with such lean resources. And that is, that is really that centering point. How do we do more with less? And the finance leadership has, has kept that mantra alive. Now, what has changed to your point is Amazon's a much larger and much different business. When I first started, it was the, the, the version two of the Kindle e-reader was just coming out. There were no fire tablets, there were no Alexa. And so the complexity of the business has grown significantly and the finance teams to support that. And the challenges that come with is how do teams ensure that you're not duplicating efforts? How do we ensure that we are, are all marching to the same beat? And um, it's a challenge that is not unique to Amazon, um, but something that, that we were really happy that we tried to you know, always work on limiting what the egos are to ensure that we're doing the right thing as a collective, even if it maybe meant that someone else was going to take the lead uh, in a you know specific effort, effort since there were so many areas of finance to attack. Yeah, that's really interesting, Jess. Like there, there'll be so many things there that would just resonate with a good number of our scale-up CFOs. So I think a lot of our CFOs that have maybe reached the point where the business is quite large and successful have probably got decent-sized finance teams, and they would probably be wondering. Uh, how they can continue to focus on doing more you know with less which i think i think is a really great kind of principle that all all businesses could learn from and you tend to see as businesses scale that uh you need more managers you need more senior managers uh those people come typically with egos that occasionally can mean that you get quite disruptive outcomes so how would amazon find ways to prevent individuals egos from impacting really effective outcomes yeah. Uh, well, I will say that it didn't always work. Um, and as you point out, uh, we, we are all susceptible to that self-included, um, where, you know, you, you think you've got the best idea and, and you're not going to let it go, which is really where that, that have backbone disagree and commit leadership principle comes so into play. Um, the, the largest winning aspect that helped break that down is the writing culture at Amazon. Um, ensuring that you had a solid narrative, you had a solid uh, frequently asked questions and appendix and, and backup data that makes it less, it's then not about you or not even about the team. It's about the customer and the product or the, the process or the system you're trying to build. And by doing so, you, there's not the sales pitch uh, type meeting. There's not the PowerPoint meeting that's reviewing um, bullet points that you've curated for the team. And so that becomes a, a huge equalizer and something that I think, uh, you know, various companies have picked up in, in certain aspects of the writing culture. It doesn't work for everyone and it shouldn't try to be copycatted um, because um, it, it's, it's not always perfect, but it allows people to take the time to collate their thoughts and really beat through the, the process to ensure that you've got the, the exact right proposal. Um, and then you know, you let, you, you have to be comfortable in the uncomfortable where your, your points are being argued against and you, you have multiple people that may be uh, attacking that position, but it's all in the support of what's best for the customer. And ultimately that, that customer lens is, is the ego killer because if you're focused on yourself or your own performance or your own title or promotion, 
you're not focused on the customer. And that's why it's, in my view, that's why it's clearly the, the top leadership principle for Amazon and that customer obsession, because then it's not about you and it should never be about you or be about me. Uh, so Jeff, I've, I've had two or three people talk me through um, this kind of Amazon methodology of long form writing in preparation of a meeting. It's quite well understood over here and quite a lot of, I think, businesses over in Europe have taken that on and, and have found it useful. Uh, but the piece that I hadn't picked up before we just chatted now is that as, as much as anything, it's about this more sort of customer centric thought process and trying to take kind of business ideas away from the self, away from the person that's you know putting that forward and might well achieve something personally through that and make it much more about um, what you would achieve in terms of the improvements for the end user. Yeah, the those documents um, are rarely created in a vacuum or of one person. Now, the, the initial version, especially in the product management space, you will have individuals that will come up with an idea or new customer offering. But it's very rare that they're doing that on their own. And it's the effort of that team where uh, it's it's cross-functional. You're going to bring in engineering. You're going to bring in finance. You're going to have product. Uh, you're going to have you know various uh, impacted teams coming together to to get to the right answer because the key is obsessing over the customer, not the competitor. And that also includes not obsessing over over yourself or your own um, you know accomplishment. And and that's that's a coalescing fact for the teams to come together to do the the right thing on behalf of the customers. And then as an outcome, you know, you, you might get the accolade. It might uh, help with the promotion. Um, but if you go into it with it's about you, uh, it'll get it'll get sniffed out pretty quickly. Yeah, it's so interesting. Really is so interesting. And it, it, it does show you how um, a substantial amount of finance work is actually about people. And that's, I think, on the outside looking in, it's hard to convey that. But a lot of this piece around, you know, how can you use kind of numbers to you know, steer the business. Uh, a lot of that's about people and much less about um, all of the kind of technical steps in the process, steps around how you achieve those figures. Um, so one thing that you mentioned earlier, Jeff, was uh, I, th I think perhaps in the third of the segments that you mentioned uh, as part of your 12-year career with Amazon, uh, was this, this, this element where you were looking at the kind of product management aspects, but through a finance lens. And one thing we know from the various uh, meetups we have as part of, of our group is that there's always this conversation about how, how can the finance people partner? How can I partner with marketing or with product? And so I'm just kind of curious about what your kind of Amazon experience was like around how to bring finance to the product piece and really add value. Yeah, the the one of the the amazing things that was culturally um, in place as it related to finances, um, sometimes the the phrase is used like finance has a seat at the table. Um, I actually I, I don't like that phrase, and it's it to me it implies that we've we've got a you know bully our way in or or there's some special place that that we sit, and I actually think that. The partnership aspect, as you mentioned, is really the key piece. Like everyone is at the table. In fact, sometimes finance is building the table uh, for everyone to sit at because mm -hmm. we've got to make the models work and ensure that the business uh, is survivable. 
Um, but in particular, what, uh, you know, my experience and, and that of many other uh, Amazonians was we are in all of the leadership meetings, not just because you need a finance partner there. It's because the business team, the marketing team, the product team, the engineering team, the finance team, we're all working collaboratively and holding each other accountable to um, not just get our jobs done, but to continue to push the thresholds of what we can accomplish. Uh, and there's a lot of different mechanisms, and, and that word is used a lot at Amazon, mechanisms in place to ensure that accountability. It's a very data-driven culture. And so you can look at it from, well, finance is creating um, metrics on profitability and the financial statements, but it's actually much more than that. And the engagement of finance to uh, determine customer attribution and uh, cart checkout or cart abandonment or repeat customers, like finance is very engaged in the execution um, of the business, but then also in the ideation and strategy. And so that culture of community and that it doesn't matter if what silo you come into, everyone's voice is important to make sure that we are building the right product is absolutely key. And that's what I loved of um, being in that hybrid uh, for a while finance and product role, leading um, the, the finance team for what we called contribution profit, which is an internal service that as every shipment goes out, we are calculating the profitability on that item and predicting what the profitability on the next and number of shipments are. And that doesn't work without a, a collaboration across teams and meeting with business leaders and country leaders on what are the initiatives that are that are going forth to serve their customers in France versus the US versus Germany versus UK. Um, and the finance team is not just a part of that. Like we all live, breathe and, you know, succeed or fail uh, together as a team uh, across functionally. Yeah, that is very interesting. So really your view is that by finance being the the focal point around metrics and using metrics to drive the business that that essentially allows you to get into almost any element of the business really in fact probably every aspect of the business um and therefore the kind of product roadmap can and should be influenced by uh, finance and this sort of you know contribution explaining the impact of the contribution on each individual sale and really analyzing that and really bringing that into the spotlight that makes a huge difference and we know from our experience of members in london that if you don't have that type of culture that you can reach a really sizable revenue number but have huge problems with ongoing losses because you don't have that culture yeah you, you're you've nailed it um when finance is a function of reporting we've failed um and that doesn't mean that reporting isn't important it's critical but that that's an output action and the the best finance leaders that i've seen and where i continue to strive to personally develop is um, we're not defined by the numbers but they give us direction and then help us uh, influence and be a part of those uh, those strategy decisions and the finance voice is just as strong um, you may not be an engineer and not know how to code but you do know how those product offerings fit together and how to relentlessly prioritize the efforts across the company to ensure that we're doing the right thing for whichever customer you have and for the business, right? Finances, financers are responsible for such a wide swath of stakeholders. There's no part of the business that finance does not impact. 
And that can sometimes get missed in the push for budgeting or month-end or year-end reporting. But without the finance leadership in those roles, the, the business just doesn't work as well. The same as if there wasn't a product leader or an engineering leader, because you need that diversity of perspective and you need excellence in each of the functions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like once you've got that, you've got a balanced organization and you're more likely to find really fantastic outcomes. Uh, now it is really interesting. I think, uh, I, I don't think we have many members in the group that have done 10 year plus stints in one of the hugely successful tech businesses. And I think it's a very interesting area to explore, but Jeff, we should, um, we should leap forward a little bit into present day. Cause actually you've done, uh, the best part of 12 months actually in your new role at Shipium. Uh, and it would be interesting to hear like, like one, what did it take in the company to lure your wife Amazon where you were obviously very happy and very content and really achieving some great things. Uh, and kind of secondly, how how have you found that transition? Because there are things that you really only do in an early stage startup, you know, particularly as the finance lead. And I'm kind of curious how you found that uh, transition and sort of how you found those new new challenges and new responsibilities. Well, the synopsis is it's been wonderful and scary and exhausting and exhilarating and uh, every adjective you can think of, um, but I wouldn't change it for the world at this point. Um, it, it with Amazon, it was it's a wonderful environment and a lot of wonderful people. But as we spoke about earlier, as it has gotten so large, um, things have just slowed down, and the pace of decisions in certain areas have have slowed down. Um, and I was fortunate. So Jason Murray, who's the co-founder and CEO of Shipium, I was actually his finance partner for a number of years in the the mid two thousand and tens in in the our retail system. And so the, the network was a benefit to me. Uh, and there was a couple other uh, later stage uh, startups or large scale ups uh, that I that had connections with and all started talking. And um, what I loved about Shipium was it's it was like the best parts of Amazon early on uh, that were brought into the culture. Both co-founders uh, were from Amazon, started there in 1999, but also forging our own way. And so, you know, as a finance person, um, and what I hear from a lot of colleagues, you know, one of the larger challenges can be how do we keep our companies frugal and manage cash burn? Well, I, I knew my two co-founders uh, both came from the Amazon School of Frugality, and they didn't put their egos first. They put their product and their customers first. So it was, you know, from a culture perspective, it was very enticing. Um, and then from the opportunity to, to get back to building from the start and making those decisions in an area of supply chain technology that is the you know, the buzzword of so many things the last few years because it's a, a real challenge that we face in, in this global economy. Those parts married up to to just make it um, a wonderful opportunity and something that, that has really been a joy over these last nine, 10 months, even in the long hours and the stress of, of managing a startup, uh, especially or startup finances, especially in this economy. Yeah, very interesting. And um, it does seem that there's, that's the common threat, right? Is that you really bought into the cultural attributes that Amazon had 
um, formed over time. And when you when you realise that, that that people that you knew that had a similar belief that that, that would work fantastically in an early stage business had a great idea for an early stage business that 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 was the enticing sort of combination you know opportunity for scale but perhaps some some certainty in the business culture from day one yes absolutely um when when you see a company and a culture that has that grounded approach and it doesn't mean we don't you know disagree or or argue over points or work through challenging situations but we've all grounded on that longer term view and how each team member is a part of that. And it's not a competitive nature. Um, that's an immediate like cheat code in my view, um, because you're not going into a company where every day is a battle just to have a voice heard or just to have a position. And so that, that recognition of each teams, whether it's finance or product or engineering or marketing or sales or partnerships, Everyone has uh, a, a role and a very important role to play, um, and I, you know, I wish more people uh, from some of the stories I heard uh, were as fortunate. And hopefully, uh, you know, as time continues and and maybe through this little bit of reset that's happening, people will be able to ground into: um, Are we doing this for our customers and our employees, or are we doing this out of some, you know, uh, self-centered ambition? Yeah, that's that's super interesting. Yeah, it's a sort of a huge amount of being able to add value is really to be able to bring you know bring your A game, but perhaps don't bring your ego. As a finance partner, we are we are empowered and required. It's part of our our opportunity and our obligation to make decisions on you know what business projects will go forward, the profitability, the impact. And where I've seen those finance leaders most impactful is when they, they go right up onto the edge of, of stepping on toes of say of the engineering team or the product team in that it's not that you're trying to put down, but you want to get so deep into their business and your business as a team that you understand the ins and outs of your product in a way that you're able to make micro decisions. And in that case, then, you, you become a contributor to the overall effort. And it's not your ego saying, well, I know how to make this business profitable. You're actually getting into the specific dials and choices that you make and as a company will make versus the, the you know, finance over the top. That finance over the top, um, like that's, that's the hammer to pull uh, in, in bad situations. And so um, where I saw that successful at Amazon, um, where I've been most successful and, and our team now is that truly collaboration and the finance team, knowing the business, knowing the technology, nerd out, go sit down with an engineer and see how, um, you know, see how that product actually works. You're going to be so much more empowered and, and your voice is going to be uh, so much more tuned in to what the needs of the business are. Um, I, I just, I encourage people to do that. Mm, those sound like wise words and uh there'll be a lot of people that are you know part of our group that listen to this and think a little bit about the degree to which they might occasionally be cautious to be getting too near the product or too near you know customer success or, or operations or something like this but actually your steer really is that actually you kind of need to get pretty near those things. You need to be almost standing on those people's toes to really understand it enough 
so that you can add value. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about just as, as a human, when someone comes and asks you to help them understand what you do, um, there's, there's inherently a good feeling in there and that people care about the business you're doing. And it's a, you know, that street goes both ways. Um, some of the best conversations I've had are with engineers learning about the feature they've developed. And, uh, you know, I, I can't write code. I can read a little, um, I would, you know, be a failure as far as trying to do some of that, but it helps you understand the trade-offs and the decisions that are being made along that process so that you're better informed. And then if, if issues come up, it's also about the relationships that have been built to um, support the remediation of that. One of the, one of the key pieces that, um, that we've continued, and it's a very engineering uh, focused thing, but we, we also did in finance and accounting to Amazon is what we called the, the correction of error or a COE. And when you had an issue, if you, you know, in accounting, if you booked a journal entry wrong or missed an accrual all the way to there was, uh, you know, a system went down or, or a bug was introduced into code. And this document is about finding out the cause of the error, asking a, a number of whys, at least five, if not more, and digging into the root cause of where our process failed. And it's never about a person. And in finance, where we do that at Shipium, we did that at Amazon, it breaks down those barriers because you're bringing in the engineering partners, you're bringing in the marketing, you're getting all of these views. And we have you know that, that accountability. Um, everyone's telling the truth, but it's never about a person. And so, you know, as you mentioned, getting, getting into those right, right up to the edge of those toes and working with the individuals um, is, is an endeavor that I encourage and everyone to try at least. Yeah, that's, that's such a good pointer. I think actually, when you think about it, this kind of CV approach, as you describe it, uh, that piece where you can really search deep for the root cause, but without threatening people and having everybody understand it's all kind of part of the process that makes for a you know, truly great organization. Um, I think that is very interesting. And, and, and that should work in any company, right? There's like any business that genuinely has the foundations of a healthy culture ought to be able to go away and do something like that and make it work. That's absolutely right. Um, no one likes to make mistakes, but they happen. And so we have to be honest and say, I know I will make a mistake and I know I will make a mistake in the future. So am I willing to learn from that? And more importantly, am I willing to put in the work to help others not make that same mistake in the future? Or if we think in a, you know, in a very finance lens, how can I put in controls in place to prevent that from happening? And so that, that honesty uh, and the ability to dig into the end-to-end -end process, the end-to-end -end error, um, is really empowering for finance teams, uh, not just engineers. And um, when we've done COEs, uh, while it can be a little painful and, and maybe you know, an individual can feel like uh, they've got pressure on them, at the end of the day, it's it's always a positive, and the leaders are always appreciative of the work that's done to to solve this for the future. So, um, I, I've I've enjoyed it even in its painful moments. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it. Yeah, Jeff, that's um, so insightful. But look, um, I'm I'm also intrigued about one thing. So uh, we ran a face to face event in London about two months ago, and we borrowed the offices of Sequoia. So you know, big 
big well-known VC fund, uh, and they have a bookshelf in their open space where we had this talk. Um, and one of the books on the shelf was titled Grit. Uh, and this theme of grit or resilience or dealing with adverse kind of situations is very in vogue right now for founders and founding teams as to how they can battle through all the challenges that you face when you start any kind of business from scratch. Um, but Jeff, the the reason that I'm mentioning this is because I'm, I'm intrigued just to jump all the way back to um, working on the boats off the coast of like Alaska um, and just incredibly, how, how incredibly tough that must be. And are there any lessons for startup founders that they could learn from people who work boats like that in really harsh conditions? Yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned grit, and uh, I'm assuming that it's the the Dr. Angela Duckworth uh, book, which I I have personally loved that that book and um, how she frames grit. Uh, and you've nailed it, like as a especially as a teenager. So starting at at age 12, but really at 13 as a full time deck crew, being on the the back deck of a boat in terrible weather at times, um, where you know. Uh, in Alaska, part of that fishing is is actually very tight quarters as far as the number of boats and spots. And uh, I had anchors go through where my bunk was and punch a hole in the, the boat. Uh, um, uh, unfortunately, uh, but fortunately, at the end, I actually uh, was was washed overboard at one point uh, and was was able to get rescued. You you learn a lot of determination, um, how to make decisions under sleep deprivation. Um, none of these are necessarily things that I encourage people to do, but the experience is wonderful because you're on that boat with the skipper and one to two other crew members, and you, you are in very tight quarters for a long period of time and people can get tired and exhausted. And even when you get chippy at each other, you have to work together as a team. Um, and everyone has their role. You've got the deck boss, you've got the person uh, running the net, uh, everyone's trying to clear the fish out. Um, the skipper's you know, trying to keep us in position or, or you know, manage the tides or the, the, the imaginary lines that, that we can't cross. Um, and it's a very intense environment. And while you know, as a finance person, I sit here at, at my desk now at home or, or in our office, and it's very cushy and I've got my you know, nice coffee and, and the environment is nice. There's a lot of commonality in that we have to work together as a team in those tough moments. A lot of, a lot of individuals right now are going through year end uh, and also they're doing this year's budgeting and also they're doing you know, year end reviews for people. And also, you know, like in the US is a lot of taxation files uh, happening. So there's a lot of threads that are being pulled at all at the same time. And you have to figure out what is your decision tree and how to relentlessly prioritize those. Um, and so there's a lot of commonalities that we have to work through those pressures, rely on team members, adequately delegate, and then ultimately come together to ensure that I'm supporting my team member, they're supporting their other, like that, that we're not doing it out of that um, I'm going to be the best finance person. It's we're going to get the mission done and we're going to learn from it and move on. Um, so uh, if anybody ever has the chance to go uh, to go work on Alaska it, on Alaska boat, that there actually are some times where it's um, you can go. It's called peak season. It's, it's just a couple of weeks in the middle of the summer. 
Um, and I know that there's lots of different fisheries around the world. Um, it's the best. I actually miss it in some respects that you, 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 you get quite an adrenaline rush in those, those moments, uh, which is, it's hard to shake. I, I sometimes wish that, uh, you know, I had stayed in that profession because of, of that fun, but, uh, uh, this is the the nerd in me. Finance is just fantastic. Um, it's it's so much fun and the problems we get to solve. So it's it's a different environment, um, but but it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it does sound like you found your your kind of true calling. And um, you know, it's it's also interesting just to play back that you know when when you look at uh, what happens to people working on those boats. It's about dealing with, you know, pressure, a lot of pressure that's coming from nature, but just pressure of working in that type of environment um, that you will be, you know, often deprived of sleep and you'll still have to work really well with the people around you, even though you might have had like hardly any sleep. Uh, and kind of ultimately, it's a case of to, to having great team um, who can work and sort of park, park any egos that they might have in order to operate really effectively. Um, and then that, that overlaps so well with the themes that you've observed in the companies you've been with and through your, your kind of career in finance, Jeff. And, um, you know, it, it's been a real pleasure to talk about these things, by the way. You bring um, a really unique perspective. Um, clearly, Amazon has been a great fit for you and you've learned a lot there. And a lot of those learnings, they would work brilliantly well in many startups and and scale-ups um and it's been just really great to have you on the podcast and to chat and to learn about your really fascinating career jeff yeah thanks um i mean to to go back to that piece we all deal with pressure um and there's various environments that that sits in um there's there's finance people right at this moment that are feeling the pressure of um year end or how to manage their cash burn um and it's no different than being on a fishing boat, no different than um, any other environment. Yes, the environmental factors are different, but that pressure that we feel um, is, is, is common. And uh, that is where, as finance leaders, we have to corral the pressure for our teams. We have to provide that guidance and that direction of what, what needs to be done. And often we, we actually spend expand into, you know, company-wide operations. And so setting that priority and ensuring that we're keeping the main thing, the main thing is, is how to, to manage through that pressure and not burn ourselves out as well. It's, it's in the news all the time of CFOs that are, are burning out or leaving their roles because you are carrying the weight of the company's finances on your shoulders. But it's not just you um, and it's not just me and we have teams to do that and uh, where you make those partnerships effective with your other leaders in the organization um, will really help with that pressure. And that's what we've seen at Shipium. That's why I'm really proud of the culture that the team has um, as we're out on our customer mission and just hopeful that others have that same opportunity. And uh, if you don't have that culture, how you can build that into your organization. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And I think organizations tend to assume that individuals bring with them the capability to work under pressure. And the organization tends not to feel that it's their role to teach or to educate people uh, how to best operate when there's a good deal of pressure because of year end or whatever's going on in the business. 
Uh, and it's very interesting to kind of hear you really bring that back to the way that the organization has got to commit to building a culture and allowing that culture to be the foundation of things like this. Yeah. Uh, and as, as you know, we talk with our customers at Shipium, a lot of supply chain operators and the pressure they're under, uh, especially, you know, in, in Q4 of, and right now in peak uh, customer return season to manage their supply chain lanes to manage carriers. And just like we talk about how it's important within a company to have those partners, it's the same thing. And what many of, of the finance leaders that listen to your podcast, like the products that they offer are about supporting the environments supporting their customers. And so it's, it's, it's a common approach for us. It's about how to reduce the operational load while making it easy, cheaper and, and faster to ship and not have to have those operators be under so much pressure all the time because we have software that supports their effort. And so, you know, in business, just like in people, it's a common thread. How are we coming together to meet the common goals and to really you know, kick butt as a team? And let me tell you, Jeff, at Startup CFO, we're all up for kicking butt. And thank you for coming on the podcast. I know we could talk about this stuff all day, um, but uh, all things must come to an end. Well, thank you. Thanks for the time. Um, and thank you to the other members of Startup CFO. Uh, it's been a great community to, to join into um, learning. I love the, the activeness and the supportiveness in the, in the Slack channel, the podcasts you do. Um, I mean, it, it just actually proves the, the point of what we were talking about, all of these finance leaders coming together to support each other um, and being willing to ask questions and give answers is, is an invaluable resource. So thank you for starting up this community uh, and keeping it uh, you know, so relevant in our environment. Jeff, that is very kind of you. You are listening to CFO Insights, brought to you by Startup CFO. If you're a finance professional working in disruptive tech, seek to join our group just email us at join at startupcfo.tech this podcast was a part of our cfo insight series we release new episodes every two weeks so don't forget to subscribe to the podcast